Should Christians Observe the Sabbath? Well, this particular question has really hit home for me as of late because I have transitioned into the PCA several years ago, and this Presbyterian denomination is by large Sabbatarian. That is to say, it upholds an observance of the Sabbath day. In my own experience, I've seen that most Christians do uphold the Sabbath. The question is normally not whether one observes the Sabbath, but how and to what extent the Sabbath is observed. In this light, answers are all over the place, as I'm sure that you know. Even in my own denomination, there is disagreement as to what extent the Sabbath should be kept and what we should or should not include as part of resting. I have a book um, that I read not too long ago called Call the Sabbath a Delight by Walter Chandler Chantry, and I think it's really good. I'd highly recommend it to you. It's very short as well, um, but it's been highly influential in my own life and helpful in this topic as I've really tried to consider this whole idea uh, with greater sobriety and greater focus of really coming to terms with what I believe. So this one's a little more personal for me of actually making certain transitions in my own life as of late. So one of the main occurrences in the New Testament has to do with Jesus' own words concerning the Sabbath. He says this, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. That's Mark 2, 27-28. In this brief but powerful statement, Jesus identifies the Sabbath's effects in terms of its mandate in the creative order. And as Chantry points out, he says, Our Savior and Teacher clearly understood that the Sabbath was made at creation, not at the institution of the Mosaic Covenant or the Abrahamic Arrangement. He says, At Creation Week, he revealed that it would bring blessing to man. So Sabbath is a creation issue, not a later part of something tied to the Old Testament. So Christians have employed a hermeneutic or an interpretation method that sees Jesus' words of the two great commandments as a summary of the Ten Commandments, which have to do with, number one, loving God, and number two, loving our neighbors. Loving God, corresponding to commandments one through four. Loving our neighbors, corresponding to commandments five through ten. If we're to maintain this hermeneutic, it seems inconsistent to say that of the ten commandments, nine of them are still binding for us today, but one has been disregarded. In another great Old Testament-New Testament correlation, the author of Hebrews in chapter 4 verses 7 through 10, says pretty clearly that there does remain a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And this conclusion stands in stark contrast of what the author of Hebrews takes liberty to identify as points of discontinuity between the Old and New Testament, such as cleansing rites and purification, which are no longer binding. You can see that in chapter 9 of Hebrews. So Hebrews becomes a very helpful test case due to all of the Old Testament quotations that are in 
that book in the writer's development of doctrine. If there was ever a book that should go out of its way to mention the discontinuity of the Sabbath for the New Testament church, it would be the book of Hebrews. However, that's not the case. What does, which does suggest for us that there are reasons to see the Sabbath as something that should be upheld and observed today, not something that should be overthrown as a relic of the past. So, although Chantry in his book called the Sabbath a, a delight, he does missed, he does list many negatives of, of observing the Sabbath, which somebody should not be occupied with. His focus primarily is about the positive implications of the Sabbath, focusing on the delight and joy of the day which is to be spent worshiping and enjoying the Lord. Meditating on the Sabbath being to the Lord, Exodus 28-11, Chantry says, This is not a narrow or restrictive requirement in saying that the Sabbath is to be a day to the Lord. A heart that loves the Lord will leap for joy at the prospect of a day with Him. And I really like that. So just as a brief articulation of what Chantry has in mind, I'd like to just read a quote from the Westminster Confession of Faith, which is the statement of faith that's used in my denomination. It speaks of how somebody should keep the Sabbath. Here's from chapter 21, paragraph 8 from the Westminster Confession of Faith. It says, This Sabbath is then kept holy unto the Lord when men, after a due preparing of their hearts and ordering of their common affairs beforehand, do not only observe a holy rest all the day from their own works, words, and thoughts about their worldly employments and recreations, but also are taken up the whole time in the public and private exercises of his worship and in the duties of necessity and mercy. Now, admittedly, this is not a tradition that I grew up in, but I certainly see a benefit in seeing the Sabbath as a day in which we are to be worshiping God, not just by going to church for an hour, but by dedicating a day to worship him with heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because we certainly don't read of God asking us to give him an hour. We read of a day in which we are to rest in him peculiarly. Now, I know that many conversations about the Sabbath have to do with what we're not allowed to do. That seems to be what people are most concerned with in observing the Sabbath. Can I watch sports, or is that not allowed? Can I go out to eat, or is that not allowed? Can I do that after the evening service? Should my church have an evening service? Does the Sabbath encapsulate both a morning and an evening service? Right. These are all questions about what we're not allowed to do, presumably, and what we have to do, presumably. And the problem with that is delighting in the Sabbath as Chantry so rightly calls us to consider doesn't have to do with what I am or am not allowed to do. It has to do with what I get to do. Aside from every other day of the week, 
God gives us the Sabbath both for physical rest, but most importantly for spiritual rest and nourishment. He gives us what we would call the means of grace, how God continually communicates his grace to us as pilgrims, as sojourners on this earth, as his people still awaiting our final fellowship with him, he gives us spiritual nourishment to urge us to go on and on day in and day out. And he's appointed this to be the sacraments that he's given us, the public prayer together, and the preaching of his word. Some people like to summarize this, the means of grace as word, prayer, and sacraments. But that's what we're doing on Sunday, not only in corporate fellowship together at our church, or going to church, as we might say, as, a, as an action, but even in what we do at our house the rest of the day. Now again, this is not a pharisaical list of you must be doing this and you can't do anything else. Even in the Westminster Confession of Faith, it does include the idea of duties of necessity and mercy. So it's not as if you can't fast. It's not as if you can't love other people that would fall under mercy and necessity, right? There's certain things that we should, we certainly should be doing and have to do, right? Like we can't get away from just totally, you know, cook everything on a crock pot the day before, set the thermostat so you don't touch it, like all that kind of stuff. Like we're not talking about that, but what we are talking about is the more that we do prepare our hearts beforehand, the more we do get our affairs in order so we're not living on our phone checking our email about the workday coming up on Monday or trying to focus so much on the things of the world and social media or having this overconsumption of watching sports and all of this, the more that we free ourselves from those things, the more we get to worship and enjoy our Lord and actually rest in Him and be nourished by Him. So we're not talking about nine-hour-long prayer sessions at home in order to keep the Sabbath, although there's nothing wrong with that if that's how you want to observe the Sabbath. But my point is, we're not talking about a spiritual performance here. We're not talking about the longer the better or anything of that nature. What we're talking about is actually taking advantage of what God has instituted at creation for us, for our good. We were made to worship And he has given us a day to be set aside for that, to enjoy him, to take our minds off of the things of the world to a greater degree than we normally do during the week, and to reflect. I mean, how many of us actually reflect on our lives, reflect what the Lord has done? We might do it very briefly in our prayer time before we eat our meal, But do you do it as a day of reflection? People talk all the time about, as business owners and uh, people who do kind of personal soul searching, that they like to get away, go on a retreat, and just start over fresh for the new work year 
and start over fresh for their new um, resolutions that they want to follow for the new year. Well, in some ways, that's actually what the Sabbath is, except it's every week, and it has to do with our identity as people of God and our fellowship that we get to enjoy with Him, and we get to set everything aside as much as we possibly can in order to make that a central focus so that we don't lose sight of what's most important when we turn around and continue our pattern of living come Monday morning. So that's my encouragement to you, is to actually consider what is a Sabbath day for you. Is it just an hour and then you're back to the world as normal, except you don't have work on that day? Or have you found a job where you're actually able to be off on that day as much as possible? I want to encourage you to really ask these kind of questions because if Sunday is just any other day to you, you're not benefiting from what God has put in place to help us as fragile creatures of the dust that need both physical rest and spiritual resting in Him to enjoy Him as our God and Savior.